This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League Fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are recapping week five of the NFL Slate 2021. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, let's get into the review of this weekend's games. We are still recording this before Monday Night Football, which will be the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts. But let's review, even going back to Thursday, uh, we did not cover the Thursday Night Football game because we were recording that on Wednesday. But what was the biggest impression you had from Thursday night slash Sunday? From the weekend, just in general, I guess, from all the football that I've ever watched, played in my entire life, I finally, for the first time, saw something I've never saw before. And that I'm sure everyone knows is the end of the Packers-Bengals game. Um, What the hell was that? But then just, yeah, I think we're going to cover it later, just kicking league-wide uh this week uh that's probably the biggest biggest takeaway but secondly i know i talked about in the preview how there weren't a lot of games that jumped out at me this week um there are a lot of good football games this weekend so um the nfl continues to put on quite a show week in and week out so i thought for sure you were going to go with the double punt uh to me that was a play that stood out because i've never seen that before in my life didn't know that was possible but apparently it is. Uh, Although in that particular case, even that one was illegal. Uh, Then you talked about the the kicking. So let's just get into that for a second. The amount of things that can go wrong in a single kick, and yet we rely solely on blaming the kicker. I mean, just take the Packer game, because I know you and I both watched it, but how many times, especially that first one that he hooked, where I think he hit it off the crossbar, all of the protection kind of broke down and he had to feel like he was going to kick around the coverage or kick around the guys that were rushing at him. So then it ended up with a lot of these curling balls to the left that caused a lot of the issue. So I don't know if there's an issue with snapping, with holding, with protection, but the amount of elements that go down and yet all said and done, we still just solely blame the kicker when it comes to the media the day after. And when you have, what was it, five missed field goals in a row, and Crosby was four of seven on the day, their kicker had, I don't know, what was it, two different kicks that he missed. I don't think he attempted a field goal uh, outside of those two that he missed. But then going to three extra points for uh, their kicker, two extra points for ours, one of which he missed. The amount of kicks that are in an average NFL game is significant, And when it breaks down, it just becomes that much more noticeable, given that the Chargers have had multiple scenarios during the course of this season already where they've basically gone without their kicker because they don't trust it. I I just, week after week, we talk about the Titans. They lost a game last week because of a bad kicker. 
the Chargers are having their issues. The Packers and the Bengals missed five straight field goals. What was it? Minnesota lost a game earlier this year to the Cardinals on a botched field goal at the end of regulation. So it's just a blight on the sport when we're supposed to assume that those kicks are going to be automatic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that kind of stood out to me was uh, Browns Chargers being more of a shootout. I expected fully going into that game how the Browns had played against the Vikings the week before and the Chargers had kind of played against the Raiders, that this was going to be much more of a defensive battle. And this is the highest scoring game of the season so far and of fantasy point weekend. I mean, Josh Her- or uh, not Josh Herbert, um, Justin Herbert with like 55 points as a quarterback in fantasy this week, Mike Williams with 41. He's now the wide receiver one on the year. The Chargers just seem like they're not only a contender, but could honestly win the division at this point. The Chargers are a good football team, and they have a lot of good pieces at kind of every level on that football team. And I really like their coach. Every time he opens his mouth, I like him more and more in uh, Brandon Staley. But uh, let's take it back to all the fantasy points being scored. Yeah, I mean, you forgot Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler had 30 fantasy points as well. And he's running back There's two in the air. And uh, just a lot of points being scored for the Browns as well. Nick Chubb, I think, had a really, really huge game as well. Yeah, but Kareem Hunt had a good was, game. This was one of those football games where it was just like, I want more of it. Like, you wanted another four quarters of watching this team play. Um, I was kind of skipping back and forth between, I mean, at one point I saw the chargers were down pretty decently big where I was like, okay, this game is kind of over It's foot back in. I was like, Holy cow, this is a ball game. Um, yeah. I think the chargers are going to be a team that we're going to be talking about late December. My biggest issue with the Browns right now is realistically for whatever reason, Baker Mayfield's holding them back. I mean, he made some okay throws in this game, but that's now two different losses where they were kind of in shootouts and had to rely upon his arm late in the game that he just couldn't pull out the same magic. And I think at best you could label him maybe an average NFL quarterback at this point. Yeah, I can agree with that. He is not, he's a decent quarterback, but the Browns are too good of a football team on both sides of the football to be where they're at right now. That should be a team that should be flirting around with the AFC championship each and every year. There's enough talent and there's enough high draft picks on that football team. And you're right. Baker Mayfield is kind of like, yeah, he's pretty good, but have we seen the best of him already? I kind of think, yeah, we have. I mean, what you see is what you get. I I just don't know what to do with him because from a fantasy standpoint, I had hoped that the end of last year would kind of be the turning point. If you listen to some of our preseason work, I had him pegged for making another jump and it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen with this guy. He's got a lot of talent around him. He's got three pretty good tight ends. David and Joku had a huge day yesterday, but since that first game that he came back, Odell Beckham Jr. has just been completely unused in this offense. And I just don't understand it. It, it's not like he's really suffering as far as his injury. He looks healthy. I just don't know why he's not in sync or in rhythm 
or in target with his primary passer. It, it, it simply floors me that they could be this blase behind realistically what is a great offensive line with two really good running backs and three tight ends that you, you can't throw the ball a little bit better than that. Well, so, I mean, the wide receivers too, the wide receivers have just kind of fallen off. Like remember how we were talking about Jarvis Landry, even as much as like two years ago, you don't even hear about him anymore. And the same with OBJ. And it's like, well, is it Baker? Or are these guys kind of over the hill? I think, I think it's Baker. I know it was floated out there that Beckham could be on the move. Um, he's owed 14 million in salary remaining on the last year of his deal. I still think he's an explosive guy. I just, this doesn't seem like the right fit and the right quarterback for him right now. And I just don't know if it ever will be. So maybe he's just needs a new scene or a change of scenery and the Browns can get something back for him because they're a good team. They can run the football, they can play defense, but I think that the next step that they would need to take to really be a true contender, because I, I think they'll probably be uh, up for the top of their division, if not win it, it's going to be on Baker Mayfield. And right now it just doesn't look like he has it. So I mentioned already that Justin Herbert had 40, uh, excuse me, 55 points in that particular game, but we had two other quarterbacks that had over 45 points in their respective games. We had a huge game from Josh Allen against the Chiefs, not terribly surprising if you uh, listened to my picks from last week, as well as Tom Brady throwing six touchdowns against the Dolphins. We're getting such a discrepancy. Like I, I know we've talked about it on the show that week to week we'll have a bunch of really random guys be in the top 10 and we had Davis Mills in the top 10 this week, but in the top five for that matter. And Jameis Winston was number four. But the few guys that are truly elite, you know, the Josh Allens, the Mahomeses, the Bradys, the Herberts, not only will they keep their floor high, but they're going to likely also give you some of those elite weeks that are going to propel you towards victory. And I think we're seeing that having an elite quarterback is in a definite advantage. Yeah, most definitely. I think the biggest surprise out of the three of them is Tom Brady throwing six touchdowns. I just, I just thought that there would be a little more rushing touchdowns in there, but the Josh Allen one doesn't surprise me. Not even the Herbert one really surprises, doesn't really surprise me either, but yeah, there's uh, the league is in very good hands. There's a lot of very good young quarterbacks that are going to be along for uh, going to be around for a very long time. I know we're looking at this more on a yearly basis now where that we're five weeks in and Herbert's quarterback three on the year. Mahomes and Brady are only separated by a couple of points. I think Brady just barely ekes out ahead of him because of uh, Mahomes's tough game last night against the Buffalo Bills. But you have those three. Kyler's in, I think, fourth. I can't remember who's fifth. And then Jalen Hurts is sixth. So it's even after that, I think we have Dak and Russell Wilson. All the elite guys are going to be up near the top of these uh, respective field. Uh, oh, excuse me. Matt Stafford was number five. But there's a definite drop off by the time you get to number eight in or number nine, excuse me, Sam Darnold in the amount of points. I think the difference between Pat Mahomes and Sam Darnold on a weekly basis is like eight points, which is enough. I mean, that could be the difference in most games. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to have an extra eight points every single week guaranteed. So, yeah, most definitely. With that being said, Russell Wilson was hurt on Thursday night, and I think the approximate report is best-case scenario, he'll miss four weeks. I've seen it's more likely that he'll miss six and could be as many as eight. What do you think of this Seahawks offense without him? I don't like it. I mean, as good as Geno Smith did with his time that he had this last game, we all know who Geno Smith is. Is he more mature? Yeah, I'm sure. Is he going to make better decisions? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure with that too. But I don't think that he is going to, for example, keep Tyler Lockett as one of those guys that's flirting with wide receiver one every single week. I think this is going to be a much more run-oriented team with him at quarterback. In the scenario they were in on Thursday night, they had to throw the ball a lot more. But I agree with you that Tyler Lockett's stock for at least while Russell Wilson is out probably takes a big hit because a lot of what Tyler Lockett does is certain timing routes, uh, certain cuts that Wilson knows exactly when to throw the ball that I don't know if the timing's going to always be there with Geno in the same way. DK Metcalf is probably the safest bet for me that you continue to play him because of who he is and what he can do. And I think he caught a touchdown from Geno Smith in that game and was the primary beneficiary, but you know, I, I would say that whoever the starting running back is, if they get enough touches will probably be valuable, maybe DK Metcalf. And that's probably about it. Like Gerald Everett completely is unusable at this point. Uh, fantasy wise. And I don't know if you could take anybody else on this offense, at least as far as him being out for that length of time. All right, then let's go to um, Saquon Barkley and CEH both sustained injuries in their respective games. Saquon, I guess, has a low ankle sprain. He'll probably be out for a couple of weeks. There's an outside shot apparently that he plays this week, but probably not likely. His backup actually played well. Devontae Booker, who was actually pretty good last year for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, He would be a guy who I'll probably nominate here at the end of the show for a potential pickup. CEH sustained a MCL sprain and could be out as many as four weeks. This is kind of a similar thing uh, to a lot of other guys we've seen recently, like David Montgomery just had an MCL sprain last week. So I would guess that he's going to be on the shelf for, you know, four to six weeks. And uh, his backup is Darrell Williams. I would probably think of him as being a potential starter as well, given that they've really concentrated on trying to run the football lately. But uh, either of these offenses greatly hurt from the absence of both Saquon and CEH. Uh, I think the Chiefs are better suited. The Giants... Yeah, he's by far their best player, not on just their offense, but on their entire team. And that ankle is probably going to give him fits for the rest of the year. I don't know if you saw the picture, but it it looked like there was a baseball, maybe even a softball size little bruise on that sucker. So, yeah, he's going to be out for at least a couple of weeks, but that's going to hurt him for the rest of the year for sure. So, yeah, the Giants, Giants offense just took a major hit. The Chiefs are one of the teams that they can handle an injury like this and they'll be fine moving forward. But have we seen the last of the great chiefs who, who knows, but I think they're a good enough offense to be able to overcome this type of an injury. Probably. I would say that they're really not losing much going from one to the other with how they like Darrell Williams. 
with regards to Saquon, they might actually miss Daniel Jones a little bit more because of how much he affects in in the game just totally. But honestly, for next week, if you're missing Saquon and Daniel Jones, I'm probably taking whomever is playing the Giants and putting them into my eliminator pool because I can't imagine the Giants beating anybody without those two guys. So it seems to be a regular habit. Everybody I put on my, these guys should not be on your roster anymore. There's always like one or two guys that suddenly like come out of the dead, like the undertaker from WWE and just rise from the dead. Miles Gaskin. What the fuck? Um, I wouldn't read too much into it. I mean, he had 10 catches out of the backfield. I don't think that's going to be the norm moving forward. I mean, he only had five carries. So, yeah, he's going to have a great week every now and again, but I don't think he's somebody that you're going to seriously consider putting into your lineup week in and week out. And if you're at that point, especially in Dynasty, I think it's time to sell off some of your better players and uh, start the rebuild. Yeah, well... I don't know. It just annoys me that I put up these guys who have been consistently bad and then they come out with one of these just ridiculously outstanding games and seemingly out of nowhere. I don't think he had had 10 carries in a game from being handed the ball, let alone being uh, able to catch 10 passes in a game. So I'm seriously wondering why this, why now? I know they were playing Tampa and they were going to have to throw the ball a lot more, but good God, I, if you're going to use him in the passing game, use it. If you're not, don't, but like, give us some consistency. <laughs> uh, I know the dolphins don't care about our fantasy woes, but whatever. Fuck them. All right. Are the bills the best in the league after their walloping of the chiefs last night? I think you could make their argument, but I'm not about to anoint them as Kings of the NFL yet. They haven't won anything. They won an earlier season, regular season game against one of the better teams in the league. But we've also seen the Chiefs kind of start out to sow seasons before and then they kind of turn it on. Maybe nothing as bad as this, but I still kind of have faith that the Chiefs will be good. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bills are probably one of the top four, maybe even top three teams in the entire league. But I still think the favorites, especially in like Vegas and such, are the Buccaneers. But the Bills are coming. That's a good football team but I think they need to be a little bit more consistent in the run game. We're going to get to in a second. I think there are a lot of good teams. Well, not as many as some years, but we, we pretty much know who the true contenders are going to be at this point. And I think they're definitely at the top of that list. Like if you wanted to put it in the elite contenders, the teams you could really, really see winning the Super Bowl or even getting to it, they're near, if not at the top of that list. I would say right now they're, they may be playing the best football of anybody, and that includes the 5-0 and Cardinals that have twice uh, kind of escaped death for no good reason, like playing the Vikings close or this weird defensive battle with the 49ers in the game I thought they would just be up and down the field against the third and fourth corners of the 49ers. But for whatever reason, that, that just hasn't been the case. And the Rams have had these letdowns. The Buccaneers have kind of been around and you can throw the ball on them a lot. I'm not sure who the best contender is right now, but if you're asking me if I had to take one team to win today, it would probably be the Bills. I would say that they're the favorites moving forward until we see otherwise. 
and the Jaguars lose their 21st in a row. I think it's an NFL record at this point, but, and you kind of mentioned it on the game. You kind of gave me some shit for thinking they had a chance in this game. I don't remember what all of the stats were, but James Robinson at least came up with a nice game. The Jaguars are shit. And I would be surprised if they won uh, more than two football games all year long. Okay. I was going to say, if you're predicting 0-17, boy, howdy. No, no. I mean, come on. They're going to have some type of dumb luck. But I know all these 21 losses aren't Urban Myers, but he's lost that locker room already. I really do not think he's going to be back after this next year. There is no leadership. I mean, when your leader is the one that's in the doghouse with everyone else that is, you know, all of his employees, like that's not a good, that's not a good place to be. And it's not a very good place to come out of either. So I, I continue, or I, I just think this is going to continue and they're going to lose a lot of football games and poor Trevor Lawrence, because this is something that he's never had to go through in his entire career. I he's lost more football games this year than he's lost in his entire life. Right. So you look to a leader to kind of bring you through something that you've never been and you look to your right and your leader is somebody that's really shitty. (laughs) So who knows? Hopefully this isn't like one of those career defined things for for Trevor Lawrence, but we've seen young, talented quarterbacks in terrible situations and their career suffers because of it. So it brings me to tears that I am going to be up on Sunday morning watching the Rotten Oranges Bowl next weekend between the Dolphins and the Jaguars in London. We have an 8.30 kickoff, and you bet you I'm going to be watching because for whatever reason, I'm going to have some type of rooting interest in that game. But golly, is that a terrible... Why do we keep sending our shit overseas? Like, why can't we get the Buccaneers and the Cowboys from the opening night in London? Wouldn't that make more sense to popularize the game? We send them the Falcons and the Jets and the Dolphins and the Jaguars in consecutive weeks. What crap. They, they're trying to increase those fan bases. That's all. Oh, boy. So let's take the question of who are the contenders. We're five weeks in. Realistically, we're not quite a quarter of the or a third of the way through the season, but we're pretty close. Who are the contenders to you? I have listed the Cowboys, the Packers, the Buccaneers, Cardinals, Rams, Bills, Chargers, Ravens, Browns, and Chiefs. Anybody that you think I'm missing or anybody you'd maybe take off that list? I would take the Browns off of that list for sure. Um, everything else kind of looks pretty, pretty good to me. There's not really anything that pops out there's a lot of teams in there and I do think that kind of the league is that wide open, but yeah, I mean, they all look good to me. So we have a number one overall pick. We have two future hall of famers and former MVPs. We have two other former MVPs and heads of the league. We have a a couple of ascending young quarterbacks. And realistically, I think the, the lone This one does not look like the others is Baker Mayfield because, all right, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Baker does not really belong in that class. But the rest of the team, like if he's not expected to make the rest of that team go, they have a chance to beat some people. But you you are correct that maybe they shouldn't be included 
at least until we see more out of him in those that could potentially make a Super Bowl. I don't know. I have this weird, funny feeling that, and I've had it since about week two, that I think the NFC Championship game, and this is going to be completely ironic, but is going to come down to Green Bay visiting Dallas in Mike McCarthy's backyard and Aaron Rodgers kicks his ass. The house said Rodgers built, right? <laughs> well, it's where he won the Super Bowl. <sighs> yeah, and he always has great games there, too. That's correct. He always plays well in Texas. So I, I certainly would not be opposed to that potential outcome. But let's get to the top tens of the week. We already mentioned some of the quarterbacks here, but Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Jameis Winston, Davis Mills, mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, everyone, Dak everyone Prescott. Everyone saw the Mills. Yeah. Dak <laughs> Prescott, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, and Jalen Hurts are your top ten. Uh, running back. Yet again, no surprise. Derrick Henry, number one. Austin Eckler, two. Nick Chubb, three. Ezekiel Elliott, four. Miles Gaskin, five. Miles Gaskin. Alvin Kamara, six. Alexander Madison, seven. James Robinson, eight. Najee Harris, nine. Kareem Hunt, ten. Then at wide receiver, Mike Williams, number one. Devontae Adams, two. Antonio Brown, three. Jamar Chase, four. Mike Evans, five. Kadarius Toney with a surprise at six. Marquez Callaway, number seven. Chris Moore of the Texans, a guy I didn't even hear of before he caught a long touchdown yesterday, number eight. Cortland Sutton, a guy I put on my bench late yesterday, nine. And Chase Claypool, number 10. David Njoku finishes the number one overall tight end for the weekend. Kyle Pitts sighting, number two, after Calvin Ridley did not travel with the team. And I'm trying to think, their other wide receiver, and I can't think of his name, was also out for that game. Dawson Knox with the number three spot after a long touchdown and a couple of other long pass plays in the Buffalo win. Hunter Henry, number four, Travis Kelsey, five. Donald Parham Jr. with another touchdown catch, making him number six. Dalton Schultz, seven. Hayden Hurst, eight. Tyler Higby, nine. And Tommy Tremble with another touchdown catch, number 10. All right, so the good, the bad, and the ugly. Good for me, Justin Herbert. Holy cow, he's good. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Um, the good for me is I am going to go with Kyle Pitts. Finally, right? Like, throw the dude the damn ball. If you're going to take somebody like that so early in the draft, how about you get him involved in the offense? And even though that I was playing against him, it was very fun to watch him finally kind of get going in his NFL career. Yeah, I certainly have some quibbles with that Atlanta offense and all of the fantasy relevance so far, but yes, it was a game against the jets and yes, it was a game that they were firmly in control of, but thank goodness they finally got the ball to a guy. We've been basically just crying to see him actually featured at one point this season. Let's just hope it's not a one week blip and that it's signs of things to come but I really think this guy is talented and they should be doing him more favors of getting him the ball. My bad injuries across the board, something that you've been harping on for weeks, but it's starting to really come home with just about everybody's team is missing some major contributor or another. I had George Kittle go on IR this week. Personally, uh, I've had other contenders. Chris Carson was out for his game we, we've had guys up and down the lineups, big, big names that have been out for a significant time. Delvin missed another game. 
McCaffrey was still out another game. You're just talking about it all over. And now with Russell Wilson being out for a significant amount of time, it just seems like every week we're losing two or three other big stars. And yet we're supposed to go one week longer. I I don't understand what the NFL thinks it's doing. I was just going to say that too. And they added another week. Like what the hell are we thinking? And it's all about that money, my man. Uh, but my bad is Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray did not have a great uh, game this weekend, not because he threw a bunch of interceptions or anything like that, but the rushing, they kind of kept him in check. San Francisco, they really didn't let him get out of control, but only 16 fantasy points for a lot of people or at that point in time, a lot of people's front runner for MVP. So my bad was Kyler this weekend. Yeah, I still think it might be more of an aberration as opposed to anything significant because nobody's really figured him out. But for whatever reason, he just occasionally has these letdown games. Uh, Ugly for me, the inconsistency at tight end. Even from Travis Kelsey, who had some good games to start the year, it just seems like on every given week, unless you can call a touchdown, who knows what the fuck's going to happen. Like Darren Waller's had three double or excuse me, three single digit games so far this season and saw less than like seven targets. And he's supposed to be their number one, the guy that they go to in all occasions for a prolific passing offense to start the year. He just hasn't been there for every game. And I really don't know what tight ends are. We're going to get to him in a second, but TJ Hawkinson has barely seen targets three of the last, or excuse me, any of the three last weeks. So I just don't know what's happening at this position. Travis Kelsey is by far the best bet. And if you have him, I guess you're thankful and there will be better days for him. But I just don't understand because on any given week, we have like some guy that we've never heard of that was on the street come in and start a game. And all of a sudden he's got 30 fantasy points. Yeah, no, it's I <laughs> like Dawson Knox was number four. You know what I mean? Like, he caught yes. three passes. Three. <laughs> no, I agree with you hundred percent. It's you throw something at the wall and you hope it sticks. Then I started Dalton Schultz and um, that was a great start for me. Hopefully it continues to be, but we'll see. Ugh, you're ugly, sir. Uh, we already went over it, so I won't make a big thing about it, but just the kicking around the league. I'll, I'll, all week long was pretty terrible. So the kicking. And again, I'm not going to just simply blame the kickers. I think that special teams has been down in a lot of areas across the league so far. And that after offense and defense, it's the most notable part of the game. No, I'm just kidding. That was an old league course line on the NCAA football game that just bugged the shit out of me for years. Of course that's, but anyway, the fact that it is, supposed to be like 20% of the game and we pay almost no attention to it. I I don't understand why we don't devote more time and attention to special teams, but it just becomes an Achilles heel. Yes. There are teams that win the super bowl that aren't great at special teams. The Buccaneers were not great and the Packers were not great at special teams last year, but you can't just keep paying no attention to it and thinking it's just going to be okay. You got to do something. We expect more as fans. All right. Something or nothing. Cordero Patterson, wide receiver three, or excuse me, running back three and wide receiver six on the year with at least 13.2 in each of his last four games. 
something or nothing. I do think he's going to eventually cool off, but you can't argue about how important he is to this offense. So it is something, but I don't think he will continue with these numbers and end the year as a top five running back and as a top 10 wide receiver. I just have a hard time seeing that. But somewhere, I swear it was an ESPN show last week that I was listening to, that they went through the statistic of how valuable a catch or a target is compared to a carry. And for whatever reason, it's like almost three to one. He's got enough value from being targeted in the passing game and getting enough work that way that is supplemented by his rushing that he's been able to sustain a good floor. And on the few games where he gets in the end zone, he's been outstanding. So I think this is something because we just have no other reason to believe that it's going to be nothing, but it's such an odd thing so far this year. I mean, it it by far could be the fantasy story of the season to this point. Jamar Chase, 10 points in every game so far, at least 15 in four of the five games he's played, and five touchdowns in five games. Something or nothing. I mean, he went to wide receiver U. He is this year's Justin Jefferson. Short and sweet. This is something. There was a reason I told everybody to take him as the number two pick behind Kyle Pitts. This guy is going to be incredible. And I'm so glad we get to watch him with Joe Burrow for a number of years, even if it has to be for Cincinnati. Uh, that that team is going to be good for a while, at least on offense, and it's going to pay dividends in fantasy for a long time to come. TJ Hawkinson, three straight games of 6.2 points or less, something or nothing. I do think he's one of the better wide or tight end talents in the league, but he plays for a terrible football team in the Detroit Lions. You know, he has a pretty serviceable quarterback too, but I just, I can't put any faith in anything that the Lions are doing other than DeAndre Swift. But yeah, I, it's crazy though. So yeah, I guess this is something until I see something different. I just don't like the fact that they're not targeting him at all. I don't know what the offensive scheme is that they're not doing that because he should be their premium pass catcher. But for whatever reason, it just, has gone away from whatever it is that they were doing the first two weeks when he was outstanding. So I think at some point it will even itself out. He's not nearly as good as he was the first two weeks, but he's not nearly as bad as this. And it'll be somewhere in the middle where he'll be a reliable player, particularly given how bad the tight end position is so far. But I just don't know if you can count on him to be like Travis Kelsey light for the rest of the year, or even to the heights of Darren Waller last season. It just probably is not in the cards right now with how that offense is running. Kareem Hunt, four of five games with 15 points or more, including another 20-point outing yesterday. Something or nothing? I think it's something, especially because I don't think the Browns trust Baker Mayfield. There was a point last year where it was third, or not last year, this past weekend, where it was third and 10, right, in a very important drive, and they, they ran a draw play because they didn't trust Baker Mayfield in that situation. So, yeah, the running backs are going to be important. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, they're working very, very well together, as they have been over the past couple of years. So, yeah, most definitely something. Given that he's getting most of the receiving production and Nick Chubb is basically a uh, pound-between-the-tackles type of back, 
and the fact that Kareem Hunt has been the goal line back for a lot of work. I'd really love to see him in another offense. I know he's got at least this year and next year under contract with the Browns, and it's possible he might re-sign again. But I'd, I would love to see him as the feature back for another offense again because I think he's talented enough that he could have been an absolute stud for a lot of teams if given the opportunity. Right now he's in a good two-headed committee and he's playing better than he did last season. I think he's running back six on the year. There are going to be games where he's not going to play this well, but given the production so far and what the Browns are able to do behind that offensive line, given that they're also going to go against teams that allow uh, a lot of production on the ground, I have no reason to think that this isn't going to continue. It's something for me. All right, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver 27 on the year and no game beyond 17.9 points so far with only one touchdown to show for it on the year. Something or nothing. And this is someone we were talking about all year long last year, right? He had a huge breakout year. I just cannot believe with how successful the Bills have been and the Bills' offense has been, he has been this uninvolved in that offense. I think he's just too good of a player to have this down of a year. So I'm going to go with this is nothing. I think they find a way to get him involved. I think it's something and nothing. To think that he's going to finish as the wide receiver three again from last season, I think is naive at this point because they've basically shown they have a lot of options to go to, whether it's Dawson Knox or Emmanuel Sanders or Cole Beasley, even getting their running backs involved. I think they're a better running team than you've given them credit no, they're not going to be an elite rushing team, but they're good enough to be able to compete in that realm of the game and keep it a little bit more balanced. They were so pass heavy last year and he got so many targets five games in. He's just not getting the same volume that he was last year. And for that, I think he's starting to trend into the wide receiver two category, as opposed to being that elite wide receiver one we had him at last year, which is unfortunate, especially where a lot of people drafted them to this point this year. Miles Sanders, less than 7.6 points in the last four games. Something or nothing? I think it kind of continues, and that sucks. I just don't think they're utilizing Miles Sanders as well as they should. You got to wonder if, because he's still on his rookie years, so he doesn't have very many years left, right? Maybe two, maybe this year and next year. So you got to think. Um, there's a lot of changes I think going to be happening in Philadelphia in the next two years. Is Jalen Hurts still the starting quarterback next year? Is it still the offense type they're t- are going to be uh, trying to run? So I don't know. I just don't think Miles Sanders is in a place right now and in an offense right now that is best utilizing his skills. So yeah, this is something. Agreed. I don't even need to add anything more. You basically covered it. it realistically, I think the only thing that I would have to add is this is sometimes the downfall of running quarterbacks. They don't check the ball down and they take away rushing yards from your running backs. So maybe that hasn't been the case in other years, but I actually like running backs who play with shitty pocket quarterbacks sometimes who are going to get a lot of check down work in fantasy, as opposed to some of the guys that are playing with some of these great uh, running quarterbacks it just is going to work out a little bit better for your fantasy value. AJ Brown doesn't have 50 receiving yards at any single game this year and only one touchdown so far, something or nothing. I'm going to go with this is nothing. He's been dealing with a a bunch of injuries so far this year. Uh, He is one of the top young talents in the league. I would say at that position, I think he finishes the second half of the season just as strong as he finished last year. So this is nothing. 
I'll give it one more week where it's nothing because this Titans offense has been pretty much only Derrick Henry centered so far because they've had to be, but how long do the injuries nag at him and really keep him low in targets? And it just doesn't seem like they have the same schematic ability that they did last year under Arthur Smith. Maybe it's going to take some time for everything to gel with the new offense that they're trying to establish, but I I am a little bit concerned now, to be fair, he's still coming off of the injury and he didn't have Julio Jones in this game. So maybe things change as they go along. They're still playing in a bad division, but they've already played one game against the Jaguars and one against the Colts and he hasn't had great production. So until further notice, I don't know if I'm as confident as I had been going into this year with him, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I agree. He's too talented. I just wonder if for this year, He's just going to have one of those crappy years that's defined more by injuries and a lack of offensive luster than anything else. Cause we know the talents there. It's just putting the pieces together. Leonard Fournette, 15.4 points and 19 points in his last two games, something or nothing. With this offense, I don't know. I'm going to go with it's nothing because as soon as you trust Leonard Fournette to be the type of running back that we all thought he was going to be out of LSU, right? And the one year that he was, that he had that really great year. I just don't think that he is in an offense and in a position in the offense to warrant this week in and week out. So do I think that Leonard Fournette is a running back one? No, I do not. So this is nothing to me. Well, he's definitely not a running back one, but I think he could be a serviceable running back too. And it's based on the fact that they just don't like Ronald Jones right now. With the fumbling and the other issues that were going on, it seems like playoff Lenny has turned into the featured back in this offense, and it's a productive enough offense that that's going to be something. I am a little concerned that he's not getting the same pass catching as he was during the playoffs because Gio Bernard is there, but give me this at least for a flex play. I think it's at least something because again, try and get as many connections to successful offenses as you can. Uh, Mike Williams, wide receiver one on the year, something or nothing. This is most definitely something it is. He is in. Yeah. uh, He's in an offense that utilizes him, that targets him and looks for him and hunts him. You know, he is kind of made Keenan Allen, who I think, talent-wise, is a better wide receiver, kind of an afterthought in that offense. Do I think he can continue to be a wide receiver one? Man, I hope so, because I picked him up in the fourth round of our little draft and everything like that. But I think he is going to be productive enough the rest of the year where most definitely he's somebody that you're flirting to put in your lineup week in and week out. I think the targets are still there for Keenan Allen, and he's had – some productive games, just not great games in the same way that he was last year. And he's just not getting the sheer volume of targets that he used to get. I think some of that has to do with Justin Herbert can throw the ball longer and downfield in a way that previous quarterbacks for the chargers had not been able to namely Phillip rivers. So the offense has changed and they're airing it out more. They're taking chances downfield. With that being said, I think the Chargers are kind of in a weird situation where Mike Williams is now DK Metcalf and Keenan Allen has become Tyler Lockett, where he's the afterthought because Mike Williams is playing so well. Now, there will be games where Keenan Allen will break out and play a little bit better, but for me, this Chargers offense looks 
reminiscent of the Seattle offense that we've seen for a couple of years. And I would expect that Mike Williams will be the top dog in this offense going forward. James Robinson and Ezekiel Elliott, three straight 20-point games apiece, something or nothing. I'm going to just say quickly that this is something, but I want to yield my time to you so you can apologize to Zeke Elliott. So something. I did not expect Dallas to run the football this much and this well. Their offensive line has actually been really great so far. And it's one of the best reasons that they're a contender. Yeah, they can throw the ball all around the yard. And when Michael Gallup comes back, they could go on five wide sets where they have Tony Pollard and Dalton Schultz spreading out for them, or they could run the ball right down your throat. This is a very dangerous Cowboys team right now, which it pains me to say. But from what I said all through the preseason, it looks like this Cowboys team could be very effective. Now, that being said, they just cut some salary with Jalen Smith last week, and maybe Zeke's long-term future is not there. But for this season, it looks like as long as he stays healthy, and I don't think he's missed any significant time more than maybe a game or two. I think that was all last season. If he stays healthy, he's a top 10 back. I mean, he's, he's going to be an RB one the rest of the year. All right. The other point though, is on James Robinson. I do want to mention this for a little bit though. It looks like he's getting the sheer volume and production we had hoped for in drafts right now. Now, if you are in a dynasty league, is he the number one candidate that should be moved? James Robinson. Yeah, I still think you should. I really, I think that you have gotten a grace period of an extended time. Travis Etienne is coming back, right? So James Robinson is not going to be the future, future guy. If you can get anything, not anything, but if you can get a pretty decent deal for James Robinson, I do think that now is the time to strike unless you're in a position where you can win your league right now. And he is that important of a piece to you, then hold on to him because winning a championship is more important than every anything. But if you have a chance right now to trade him and get younger or to get a draft pick, like an early draft pick or something, I think you take that up right this second. So we now have 14 weeks instead of 13. So I would probably say you can probably give it another week or so, maybe even two, but with the way that he's playing and the volume that he's receiving, I think that this is a strike while it's hot moment because yes, he may be a productive back with Jacksonville next year because we don't know what they're going to use ETN for. And we don't know how ETN is going to be when he comes back, but he is coming back. And you think that they spent a first round pick on him. They're going to do everything they can to have him supplant the guy that they're barely paying. At some point, you would expect this at worst to be a timeshare. For the rest of the season, he's a valuable piece. But after this year, again, it's like what we said last year, that you don't know what the future is going to hold. And so if I'm a contender and I'm looking at a team that isn't probably very close to competing for the playoffs, let alone a championship, this is a guy I'm going after because he's clearly a valuable piece. And if he stays healthier than he was last year, where he got hurt down the stretch and had trouble sustaining the kind of volume that really made it valuable earlier on in the season, this is a highly productive commodity that you should be targeting. I, I think that you can get top billing, top dollar for him right now, where you can use him to make the playoffs or get forward for the rest of the season in a way that you can't, you know, five or six weeks from now when you don't know what things are going to be. But I think that requires a certain self-assessment of where your team is at that I don't think everybody's quite ready to make at this moment. I just think this is a guy to watch as 
probably the top of the dynasty trade market, if you ask me. Yeah, I would be shopping him to anybody that's looking to contend and asking for first round picks and younger talent for sure. Brandon Cooks, 23 reception yards despite Davis Mills throwing for 312 on the game. Something or nothing. Some, I mean, with Brandon Cooks, you, it is what it is. You're going to have great games, great weeks, and then you're going to have duds. This is most definitely something. This is something he's kind of been his entire career. Yes, the grand scheme of things, his numbers look pretty good. And I think he's had 1,000 yards receiving every single year of his career, which is great. But the consistency, which is what I think is most important to me when I'm building a fantasy roster, he has none. It's tough to say with the quarterbacks that they have that you could expect the kind of volume and consistency that, again, I agree that you would be looking for for more comfort than, you know, the big boomer bust players that we have in fantasy. That being said, at some point, Tyrod Taylor is going to be coming back. But Davis Mills didn't look bad yesterday. So as a viable quarterback, is it somehow that Tyrod's going to eventually lose his job again? I don't know, but if you're not looking his way as a young quarterback and you're throwing the ball all around the yard for several of these other guys, who knows what the situation is going to hold. But after the first three weeks, you would have said Brandon Cooks would have been, you know, a valuable wide receiver too. And right now he looks like he's barely flex playable. All right. So let's go to pickups, stream stashes and drops for top pickups of the week. Guys that are under 50% owned, but should be. Rondale Moore, uh, again, made some spectacular catches yesterday. He's going to be a featured point at or wide receiver at some point in this offense. Jamison Crowder, again, lots of targets going around in that Jets offense. They are going to be able to move the ball at some point. I think that Zach Wilson's better days are still coming. Tim Patrick had a productive day for the Broncos yesterday against the Steelers. As long as Teddy Bridgewater's back there, he's going to be a productive piece because Realistically, there are not a lot of receiving options for that team right now. Darrell Williams, as I mentioned before, as a fill-in for CEH for at least the next three to four weeks, this is a guy worth picking up. Khalil Herbert split carries pretty evenly with uh, Damian Williams for the Bears' backfield. Again, if the Bears are going to continue to try and pound the rock as much as they can instead of trying to throw it with Justin Fields, trying to keep him basically comfortable – and win games that way, this guy could be at least worth stashing on your bench. Devontae Booker is a fill-in for Saquon Barkley, depending on how long he might be out. Again, an effective guy, ran well yesterday, had some decent points against the Cowboys. He's their long-term solution. That's a guy I'd be looking at. Chris Evans, because Samaji Pirine apparently went on the COVID list today, and we don't know what the status of Joe Mixon is going to be. This is a guy who could get an opportunity, and we saw that Samaji Pirine was even productive in the Bengals' backfield yesterday. They have some decent games coming up. Kadarius Toney is going to be one of the hot pickups of the week. I think he had 10 catches for 189 yards in that game against the Cowboys, although he got ejected during the second half for trying to punch somebody, so who knows what's going to happen with him. I don't think he's going to see this level of volume on a weekly basis, but he is a guy that could do something, and if he's going to see at least – five, six, seven targets in this offense. Maybe he's worth uh, picking up as a flyer and redraft. He's definitely worth having on your dynasty team. Tyler Heineke, he's playing Kansas City next week, and he does put up points. He's a very streamable quarterback. And finally, Hunter Henry looks like 
He's back to being the most productive tight end on his team with the Patriots so far, caught touchdowns in each of the last two games, has seen at least five targets in each of those contests. I like the way that that is shaping out. Top drop candidates for me, Baker Mayfield. We already mentioned it. Matt Ryan is still owned by a lot of teams. And yes, he may he did put up the number eight point weekend this weekend, but it's not like he's been playing great so far. And that offense has been kind of a mismatch so far against most of the opponents that they've uh, played. And they're going to be playing Tampa again at some point. They've got to play New Orleans twice. They've got to play the Panthers yet. So I just don't like with where that team has been going that he is a consistent fantasy starter in the way that you did maybe even five, six years ago. Henry Ruggs for me, boomer bust player, not consistent enough in a redraft setting. I think he should still be owned in Dynasty, but he's uh, dropped for me in redraft. Robert Tanyan, again, inconsistency, not a big factor in the Packers offense. You're hoping for a touchdown that hasn't been coming so far this year. The Packers offense in the red zone just does not look as productive as they were last season. And so I just don't see him being the same type of guy. We saw the uh, regression from the touchdowns that we expected. He's another drop for me. Robbie Anderson, he's had five weeks to do it, and they just won't throw him the ball. So I I don't know what's going to happen, but realistically, there's no legitimate reason that he should continue to uh, be on your bench if he's going to be this unproductive. All right. Any final thoughts for the week? Uh, no, I just want to take two seconds to talk a little crap to one of our more loyal listeners, though. Um, good week this week, Ed. Hopefully Jonathan Taylor doesn't score uh, 50 points. But yeah, good week. It just unfortunately wasn't good enough this week. Yeah, be careful what you wish for, because Dana asked to be on the program as a surprise guest just to say he Let's was coming for you. That's fine. The, um, yeah, I was just he had a really great week as well, and he's feeling himself for the moment. I, I was just looking at the next three weeks of my schedule and it's uh, Duncan, Duncan, Duncan. So I'm uh, I'm pretty excited for the next three weeks. Should be some fun. Yeah, I'll hear a lot of whines in about two weeks because what was it? All of your running backs have the bye at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think so. When I go against your team, I yep. think everybody's on a bye. <laughs> I'm not complaining. It'll be fun. It'll be I'm fun. not complaining. <laughs> Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again later this week. But until then. Until then, um, have a good rest of the week, everybody. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.